0: Well, hello there, future fans. This week, Groundhog's Day gets grim again, Valentine's Day is forced on someone, and we flip a title for no apparent reason. This is the week of February 15th, 2019, and this is episode 121 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show it's an interesting week this week we we have some interesting news uh we have trailers and i'm going to release that super bowl breakdown soon probably the same time as this episode so if this episode is late You'll probably see that two episodes came out at the same time, so it doesn't matter which one you watch, uh, watch. It doesn't matter which one you listen to first, if you listen to this one, or if you listen to the Super Bowl trailer breakdown. It just means so much that you listen at all, so thank you very much for that. So this week, you can have your double dose of Billium. Isn't that great? Isn't that what you want every week? More me? I know I do. No, that's a terrible lie. I, I never listen to my own show. I used to try to listen, but as it turns out, I can't stand my own voice, so I am glad you can. But just imagine me, I have to live with this to live with his voice. Well, enough of that. Let us just talk about the housekeeping that we can get right on into the news. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. You can find me on the Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. You can find me on the Nerdy Facebook page, and you can contact me a couple different ways. Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at reviews at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the other great shows in the network. The somewhat nerdy radio podcast and the nerds of the squared circle and what is this show i know usually i do it the other way but this week i i forgot i'm gonna be honest so let's talk about this show really quick on this show we do quite a few things we always talk about any new news that has happened and movie news only of course any movie news that has happened since the last episode any new trailers i have hit since the last episode and sometimes i miss some sometimes i do so in that case i ask you to let me know if there's something I missed that you think is important, that you think I should have covered, or maybe you wanna hear my colorful commentary on it. Just let me know what I missed and I'll talk about it in the next episode. So after that, we go into the movies, which are broken up into, into two categories. The wide releases and interesting indies is the, actually the last part. The first part is the limited release section. In that section, I just tell you what it's about and who's in it because these are movies that are getting either such a limited release that it's not worth it to talk too much about, or I just don't think they're very good looking. The wide releases and interesting indies, those are movies that gain wide releases, whether they look good or not, and any limited releases that caught my eye. And then we wrap it up with the question of the week, and then I send you along your way. Well, let's not beat around the bush any longer. Let us step into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. First, according to IndieWire, James Cameron revealed the working title for the new Terminator movie. It's going to be called Terminator Dark Fate, and it's directed by Deadpool's Tim Miller, and it retcons Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, and Terminator Genesis completely from the timeline. They are wiped out, they never happened. This film will be a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Judgment Day. So it looks like they're keeping the best two movies in canon, erasing the rest, though I really didn't mind the other ones. I mean, they weren't as good as T1 and T2, but let's be honest, they weren't terrible in the next story this from open culture good news for you if you like to watch oscar nominated and oscar winning short films including animated short films the national film board of canada has put up 66 different short animated and non-animated films on their YouTube channel, free to watch. I will definitely try to remember to put a link to that in the show notes, but if for some reason I forget, it's just YouTube.com slash NFB. That stands for National Film Board, and you can watch a lot of their great short films. Our next story comes to us from Deadline. We are getting a Monster Hunter movie. If you are not familiar with it, Monster Hunter is a series of, I was about to say movies, a series of video games that were really popular in Japan for the longest time, and the only titles you can get were in America were on the Nintendo DS, but recently there was a big one out for the PlayStation 4. Well, now apparently we're getting a movie, so before we're getting any more of the actual games that we may be able to actually play and then want a movie for we're getting the movie first this is set for a 2020 release date and it will star mila yokovich and this is fitting because the director is one gentleman named paul ws anderson who you will know as the writer and director and in some cases just director for movies like the resident evil films mortal kombat and event Horizon. So we'll see how we'll see how that works out because the Resident Evil movies were very very hit or miss. It, it took me a while to actually like them because I loved the games, and when they made the movies, they're just like, "Okay, we already have this game that the movie's based on, f- it, and f- everyone who loves those games right up the ass. We're gonna do whatever the f- we want with it, and just kind of ruin." The amazing story the games made, which is why I had to learn to take them separately. I had to take I had to learn to look at these Resident Evil movies as something that has nothing to do with the games, even though they do share some characters, because where the games were enjoyable and had a really good story, the movies lacked a good story were very stupid, but also very action packed and fun. So let's see what kind of movie we get out of Anderson for Monster Hunter. Will it be any good or will it just be stupid fun? Either way, it should be enjoyable, but we will see in the year 2020. This next story comes to us from metro entertainment apparently the internet is demanding that liam neeson get recast in men in black 4 why are they asking this well you obviously didn't listen to the last episode because we talked about it there liam neeson put his foot in his mouth and he admitted at one time to being racist and so much so that he was willing to murder someone for it Though he didn't, and he thus admits that he made a mistake. So even though he never went through with it, even though he admits that it was a bad idea, he was in a bad place, and he apologizes for it, even though all that happened, people are still asking for his resignation because the internet is full of squishy little crybabies. Right now, it doesn't look like they're going to recast Liam Neeson because, well... The production company isn't stupid, though, if it was worse, if he actually did it, then that might be something like, like in the Kevin Spacey situation, I understand why they took Kevin Spacey out of all the money in the world and replaced him. I get that. Kevin Spacey is a monster. It's stuff that he actually did where Liam Neeson's case, still bad, but he said, hey, I made a bad choice back then. I didn't actually do anything. And I realized why I was wrong. And personally, I think we should applaud him. I, I think we should applaud him going, well, yay, you did something, almost did something terrible and stupid, but you didn't. You learned your lesson and good for you. But hey, it's the internet. They get in heated debates about pineapple on pizza. So when the internet's angry about something, it really doesn't mean sh- to the real world. The next story comes to us from IndieWire. The crew behind the Pet Cemetery remake, set to come out April 5th this year, is getting ahead of everything and defending some choices they made that have now become apparent through the trailer. If you're not familiar with this book at all, if you never saw the original movie, if you haven't seen any of the trailers and you want to stay 100% spoiler free, jump ahead just a little bit, maybe 15, 30 seconds, maybe closer to 15. We'll see. But in an interview they defend the choice to kill the daughter instead of the instead of the younger son in the original movie there were two children ellie and gage and gage was the one who was killed and resurrected in the pet cemetery now in this one it will be ellie and the directors say they made that change for a couple reasons first they said that when a movie is remade they have to do something different otherwise what the hell are they doing Another reason they changed what they did is something that if you read Stephen King, you're familiar with, that sometimes some of his his books get a little weird, especially certain scenes in It that they thankfully chose to keep out of the movies. So apparently some of these lines that the character was supposed to deliver would be a little more acceptable from someone a little older. There are more reasons, but um, I'm not sure anyone cares that much. I just want to see the movie. I know they changed it, but okay, I'm fine with it. Just give me a good movie. If you, if the changes you keep are that minor, I'm fine. This next story comes to us from GameSpot, and they say something that I thought was already news. So just in case everyone doesn't already know this, I'm going to say it anyway, and maybe this wasn't news before, and I just assumed it. So either way, I'm gonna cover my base, and here we go. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 still doesn't have a director. We know this. But what this article actually says is, is that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will use the script that was penned by former director James Gunn. I thought we already knew this. I really did. I thought the only thing that had changed was that they're firing James Gunn, and that they're going to keep everything else, like the cast, obviously, and also the story. So just in case you didn't know that, now you hopefully know. And the final story this week is actor Albert Finney has passed away at the age of 82. He's best known for movies like Aaron Brockovich, Big Fish, and Miller's Crossing. Well, that is it for the news. Let us jump into everyone's favorite segment, and that is the Trailer Trove. Avast,
1: and welcome to the Trailer Trove.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have some interesting trailers this week. We do. We have the new trailer for Pet Cemetery, which I was mentioning a little earlier in the news that shows us what uh, at least one thing that has changed. And another thing that has changed that won't be a spoiler is that I think this movie is going to be... V- is going to be a lot scarier than the original like a lot of second and third trailers this trailer shows us a lot that we've already seen it throws in a couple of new scenes and then rearranges things which i think is fine i'm not sure how much more we need to see at this point if the first trailer is good and doesn't give away too much then all other trailers should just add like an unimportant scene or two and then rearrange scenes from other trailers just to keep us happy. I think that's what is really needed, so it won't spoil anything. I don't even like it when trailers show you something important but out of context, because if you remember the trailer and when you're watching the movie, you will be able to put stuff together going, oh, I remember this scene. In fact, I really like it when they use deleted scenes for the trailer, so it gives you a, a feeling for the movie, but it probably won't spoil anything. We We have two disney trailers we have another one for dumbo which does just like pet cemetery and just like i already said shows us some new stuff but a lot of scenes we've seen before this still looks like the best live action one coming out Uh, we see a little more of michael keaton in this one and we see a little more danny devito than we have before because in the original in the previous trailers we've seen more of colin farrell and the children and Dumbo, while this one adds a little more of the side characters, but it still gives you the magic, and I think that's what's very important for this. Uh, What didn't give us the magic was the Aladdin trailer, because oh my god, what the hell have they done to the genie? At first, I like the thought of Will Smith playing the genie. It's hard to think of anyone else other than Robin Williams playing the role, but we have to realize that this is going to be a different film, and Robin Williams is no longer with us, and I thought Will Smith was going to be the right choice, and maybe he still will be. Maybe the problem is the way he looks, and I think he looks ridiculous. They didn't still have to make him blue. They could have just dressed him up like a genie, kept him black, And I would have been fine with it. If we didn't have a blue genie, would people have been upset? Sure, there would have been some people that would have been angry about that. But I think it would have been a better choice. Seeing Will Smith as a blue genie looks awful. And I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm still impressed that they picked people of color for the main two roles. I'm very impressed that they didn't just grab some white people, throw them together and go, "Okay, you're now from the Middle East. Hooray. But I think Disney is also hyper aware of things like that now, especially after all these movements like the Me Too movements and Oscar So White and all this all this stuff going on. I think they're a little more aware of it and it's it's become important to them, if not because it's the right thing to do, if not that, then because they don't want to lose money on it. So I still want to see this movie, but I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath anymore. I think this is going to be one of the lesser of the remakes. In fact, I think it will be the worst one so far. Still doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Just the lesser of the of the movies. But this Aladdin trailer just gave us a little more, just a smidge more, and we actually saw some characters in that. And Jafar, I'm I'm not sold on Jafar. It's played by he's played by someone named Marwin Kanzari who was in Ben Hur murder on the Orient Express and what happened to Monday but just in the scene we saw him in I'm I'm really not sold but hopefully it was just a poor trailer and hopefully Disney will will come through with this one. We got two trailers for animated movies. The first one for Missing Link which I still think looks funny and promising. This comes to us from Laika, who also brought us Kubo and the Two Strings which was really good. I really like that film. I thought it was uh, superb for a for an animated film that didn't come to us from one of the big companies. This one also looks good. I mean, it's it's kind of a buddy comedy. You have this you have this really famous adventure and you have Bigfoot also named Susan, which I really hope his name isn't Susan cuz that's just a lot of commitment for a bad joke. But this movie looks predictable, but fun. It looks like it's funny. It looks like it is going to be a really good movie to take your family to and also enjoyable for parents. This movie is going to be rated PG. It features the voices of Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, and Zach Galifianakis, as well as Stephen Fry, Timothy Oliphant, Emma Thompson, and I think that's it for the big names. And this comes out April 12th this year. And the other one we got is for Ugly Dolls, which I'm not excited for. I think this one looks stupid, and I've bitched about this before, so I'll try to keep it short. This trailer showed us more. It showed us who the bad guy is. And once again, we have another movie that's just like Trolls, where it's going to be something that doesn't have much to offer besides a cast and original songs this is exactly the type of movie that sells itself with its songs like oh we have this animated movie coming up but look at this soundtrack look we have nick jonas we have janelle Monet, we have kelly clarkson charlie xcs xcx oh why was that so hard to say blake shelton pitbull we have all these people don't pay attention to the fact that there's basically no plot and it seems stupid look at this cast we have and listen to the songs but look forward to that one if for some reason you want to see it on May 3rd, we had a, another trailer for Child's Play. This one is a little longer than the other one, and, and um, it didn't do enough. I, I'm, I'm sorry, it didn't. I, I still will watch the Child's Play remake. I'm going to see it, uh, just because I, I have to give it a shot. What if? What if this is a really good horror remake, and I didn't give it a shot because I think the trailers look bad. Now, the weird thing in this one is that Chucky is like high tech and learns and studies. And if I remember, no, no, that's right. Uh, Roz and I, somewhat nerdy's very own Roz and I were talking about this, that Chucky is no longer possessed. If you remember in the original movie, Chucky was possessed by a serial killer. And in this one, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's just some crazy tech thing that goes awry and the circuits get crossed and it becomes murderous. I don't like it. Why did they need this change? They they didn't need to make this change at all. Yeah, maybe they could have made it more high-tech. That's fine. Make this a modern movie if you're going to redo it. But don't take away from the from the original story in the fact that that is why Chucky is a, a murderer. is a fact that a murderer is inside his body. If anything can save this movie, it's going to be Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry. They're good. They're good at what they do. I don't think that they can save this film. That this comes out June twenty-first this year, and to wrap this all up before I do one more check to see if anything came out while I was recording, or you know that I missed today, we have to talk about Shaft and the trailer for that, and how I had originally had no interest in this because we we remade Shaft already. It happened in okay, when was that? That was two thousand. The year two thousand was remade with Samuel L. Jackson original movie 1971 but what sold me on this film is that it's not a remake it's a reboot and not only is it a reboot but it has the original shaft in it it has richard roundtree and it has samuel jackson in it and it has a new kid played by jesse t usher who's going to be the next shaft so we have john shaft the first played by richard roundtree John the II, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Jesse Usher for movies like Independence Day Resurgence and a TV show called Level Up. But this movie looks funny. It also has Regina Hall in it, Alexandra Shipp, and Method Man. And the trailer looked funny. It looked action-packed. It looked like it had all the style of, of the original movie and of Samuel L. Jackson's movie. This looks awesome promising it really does and it looks entirely self-aware and i bet you there are going to be jokes in there about sequels and i bet you somewhere in there richard roundtree is going to tell a joke about how he did it the best and how the other two are just okay but there's nothing better than the original i want to see this and i'm going to see this when it comes out on june 14th we actually have one more movie to talk about, one that I almost missed. This is for a movie based off a YA novel called The Sun Is Also a Star. And it stars Charles Melton from Riverdale and Yara Shahidi from Blackish. And this movie already is doing two things that really impress me. The first is that it casts an actual Asian to play the Asian lead, even though it doesn't sound like it. Charles Melton is Asian. He's half Korean, and the other half of him is a mix of European and Cherokee. So that's right, we have a book that had an Asian protagonist in it that came out, that's coming out in theaters that actually has an Asian in it i i'm i'm happy i'm glad for this and he he plays the same flavor asian as the character so they didn't just grab some chinese or japanese and go okay you're korean now you have slanty eyes go for it so good for them on that and the other thing that impresses me is that they had a book with a young woman of color as another one of the main characters and they didn't cast Amanda stenberg I mean, don't get me wrong. I like her. I think she's good. But it seemed like for a while, every time a YA book was being turned into a movie, they were getting her for it. It's like, oh, there's apparently there's only one woman of color that can play them. No, no, no. Now they have Yara Shahidi. Did I ever say the name of the movie? I don't know. So just in case I didn't, this is called The Sun is Also a Star. And it's about this this girl whose family is getting sent back to wherever they're from, somewhere like Jamaica or... Okay, and confirmed it. it is Jamaica, and the day before, she meets this man that she falls in love with, and what are they to do? Well, you have to watch the movie or read the book to find out, but this looks good. I plan on reading the book first. I have, a, I have a couple months, because this is said to come out on the 17th of May this year. And yes, one last trailer, one that caught my eye right before I moved on to the next section, and that is another trailer, or the second one, for The Curse of La Llorona, This film comes to us from producer James Wan, so it's in the vein of all of his movies, but it's directed by a guy named Michael Chavez, who is, um, it's his first time doing a feature-length film, but I guess James Wan trusts him, because he's also been tapped to direct The Conjuring 3, that's in early pre-production now, but The Curse of La Llorona is about a latin american folklore tale about la llorona this woman who murders her children after she sees her husband is cheating on her she murders her children by drowning them and now her ghost wanders around uh, rivers and stuff like that crying and if If your children hear her crying or see her, she will come for them and kill them. So in pure James Wan style, this looks like it's going to set a very eerie tone. It looks like it's going to be scary and have jump scares. So you can never be quite sure, like, is something going to jump out right now and scare me? Oh, it didn't. Okay, so maybe I'm safe in this one. No, you're not. You just sh your pants. Okay, maybe not that dramatic, but it's going to be... I think it's going to be good. It looks good. It comes out April 19th, and I will check this one out. Well, that is it for the trailers. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back with the limited releases. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it
1: on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds.
0: And welcome back to the show. We have three movies in the limited section this week, so let's jump right into it with The Leers. Davenport Lear calls his family home, and despite the fact that most of them don't want to go, they all show up. But the question is, why? Is it all really for a third marriage to a woman 40 years younger than him? Or is he dying? Or is this all a game? This stars Bruce Dern from Nebraska, Anthony Michael Hall from War Machine, Sean Astin from Stranger Things... Ali Michalka from iZombie, Zombie, Victoria Smurfit from Once Upon a Time, and Nick Bishop from Covert Affairs. Uh, this could have been really cool. It could have been really cool, and it could still be really good. But the trailer, the trailer just didn't sit right with me. Like, how do you get such a good cast but give such a poor quality trailer? It just doesn't make sense. But even though I didn't recommend it by putting it in the wide releases section, uh, maybe, maybe um, earmark this one. Maybe come back to it later, see what it's like. Next up is a movie called Sorry Angel. It's a French film, and the French name is Plaire, Émi et, et Courier-Vite. And I know I butchered that, but that's the best I can do. Jacques is an older writer from Paris. Arthur is a young student in Rennes. They fall in love, but will have to face rejection and sickness to keep it that way. This stars French people. And last up in the limited section is a film called Donnybrook. Two men prepare to compete in a legendary bare-knuckle free-for-all fight where the winner gets a $100,000 prize. Both men are on the wrong side of the law. One wants to better his children's lives, and the other just wants violence. This stars Frank Grillo from The Purge, Anarchy, Jamie Bell from Turn, Washington Spies, and Margaret Qualley from The Nice Guys. And ladies and gentlemen, normally I would take a break before going back into the wide releases, but we just had a break. So I think I'll do three. Yeah, I'll do three of the wide releases and in interesting indies, then have a break, and then we'll finish off that section and do the question of the week. So let's keep going with the wide releases and in interesting indies. The first film is an interesting indie called *Reuben Brandt, Collector. A psychotherapist suffers violent nightmares inspired by legendary works of art. Four of his patients are expert thieves and they offer to steal the works for him since he believes that once he owns them, the nightmares will stop. This is an animated movie with no one of note doing voices, but it called to me. At first I thought this was an easy movie for the limited section, that it was just a shitty animation style. It dawned on me that the style is very purposeful, and the way it looks so and the reason not the way, the reason it looks so weird is because all these characters are designed after after works of art big crazy ass nose i guess that's a picasso piece are you a little blotchy maybe you're a monet i don't know but this is a very interesting idea that could be worth a watch it could be very interesting and i don't know how limited of a release this is and that's always a problem with limited movies that's always a problem with me suggesting them too because there's no way for me to tell how limited the release is going to be. I'll be honest, if a movie is too limited, like if I can find out and it's only like two cities, I don't talk about it. Because usually it's just LA and New York. And if you don't live in those two cities, go f*** yourself if you want to watch this. But... For movies like this, I, I just don't know what the release looks like. But this does look interesting, and at the very least, something to keep an eye on. If you're ever looking for an adult animated film, that's not some sort of porn. Look, I'm not judging you if you like hentai. I am not. But what the reason I said that is because if I say adult animation, so many people's thoughts go to porn, that it's very important to me, at least, that I point this out that this is an adult animated movie, kind of like Waltz with Bashir, a movie I loved, and it's an animated movie, and one that I think everyone should watch because it was really well done, and I think this could be one of those. Although there are huge differences between these two movies, the only reason I brought up Waltz with Bashir is because it is it is an animated film. Waltz with Bashir is a animated biography about this guy who wants to reconstruct his own memories of the 1982 invasion of lebanon so he interviews uh, his friends and fellow soldiers trying to reconstruct what happened and and ruben Brandt collector is a serious film a serious animated film but it's not nearly as heavy as waltz with bashir is but it could be the perfect example of an adult animated film i think this film looks like it's worth a shot and i'm going to give it a 7 out of 11 We have two more movies before the break, so let's get on with it with Birds of Passage, a.k.a. Pajaros de Verano. During the Marijuana Bonanza, which apparently was a thing, and it sounds way more awesome than it really was. So that's enough of a detour on that one. Let's start again. During the Marijuana Bonanza, a violent decade that saw the origin of drug trafficking in Colombia, Rapayette... And his indigenous family get involved in a war to control the businesses that end up destroying their lives and culture. This stars no one of note, but it looks really interesting. So we have this indigenous family in Colombia that is raising marijuana. And maybe they started to raise marijuana for cultural reasons. Like maybe it has something to do with some of their festivals and stuff like that. Maybe they just like to get high. I don't know. But what I do know is that around this time, they start they start selling to cartels and maybe even before cartels existed. But they start selling it and then they get involved in this war that ends up tearing apart who they are to the very core. And so then it asks this question, What's more important, the money they could make from this and the power they can get, or their culture? And, if they decide that their culture is most important, is it too late to go back? Can you go back? This is a Colombian movie, and it looks pretty good. It doesn't look like it got a big budget at all, and they did wonders with it. In the trailer alone, the cinematography goes from just basic, I mean not bad, to kind of impressive with with the shots they're able to get. And this movie looks deep. It looks violent. And I want to see this. And the good news is that the director or there are two directors and one of the directors is a person who had the original idea. They had the idea. Someone else wrote the screenplay for it. But the director themselves, one half of the two was the one who thought of it. So they were able probably to keep the story as true to the original thought as possible. So I'm excited for this. Once again, I have no idea how limited it is. But if you think it looks good at all, just try to keep an eye out for it. Birds of Passage also gets a 7 out of 11. And the last movie before the break is a film called Fighting With My Family. A former wrestler and his family make a living performing at small venues around the country. One day, his kids get the opportunity of a lifetime to work for the WWE. This stars Dwayne Johnson from Skyscraper, Florence Poog from Lady Macbeth, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones, Vince Vaughn from The Internship, Stephen Merchant from Logan, and Stephen Merchant is also the writer and director. Jack Loudon from Dunkirk, Nick Frost from Paul, and also stars WWE superstars Paige, Sheamus, and Big Show. I really thought this movie was going to get higher up on the list than it is, but this this is kind of a good week for movies, really. And I also had a few questions about this, like, why Paige? So if you don't know, this movie is about Paige, a WWE superstar with, with an interesting history, and such an interesting history that I really wonder why they chose her for this, because uh, she has an infamous sex tape that came out, and... She has had a history of breaking the WWE's wellness policy, and that was using illegal substances. It never came out if it was drugs or steroids, as in recreational drugs, because of course steroids are drugs too, but there was such a history with Paige that I I wouldn't have picked her at all. If the WWE really wanted to make a movie about one of their wrestlers, I think there would have been better people. Or is anyone worth it? Is anyone that people like? Do they have such boring stories that wouldn't have been interesting at all? But but that question aside, this still looks like it's going to be okay. Uh, This looks like a rental, a 100% rental, like Boxes, or wait to see if Netflix, Hulu, or maybe even the WWE Uh, service gets it the trailer really tries to sell this because they have the first uh, the first meeting between Paige and her brother and the rock and how apparently he gave him this huge speech and that was cool that was funny it made me laugh but something else that occurs to me is who the is her brother like what has he done i didn't even know Paige even had a brother until this movie I didn't even know her family was a wrestling family until this movie. And it's not like her family... Okay, you know what? You know who we could have done? Who deserved a movie more than Paige? Is Natalia. Natalia is part of the Hart Dynasty, one of the biggest families in the WWE. So let's show her story growing up in the wrestling world and also being the first female graduate of the Hart Dungeon. And the whole storyline with her and Ronda Rousey is to be believed... Then Ronda Rousey was her neighbor, which could also be another really cool angle. Okay, I'm sorry. I swore I would get off the topic of why Page As a movie, this looks mediocre. It really does. It looks like it could be funny. It looks like it could be enjoyable, but something that you should 100% rent. And then only then, only if you really loved it, should you own it. This is not something that even if you find it on Super Sale, even then, I don't think you should buy it. I don't think it's worth the risk. Fighting With My Family gets a six out of 11. Now with that, it is time for the break where we hear word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. Do you see what I did there? I tied it all together with wrestling. Yeah. We'll be right back. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris And The Dude with the Headband We talk about Wrestling And More wrestling Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast Someone to a comms. Nerds in the Squared Circle Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today Nerds in the Squared Circle on nerdy.com and we're back. Welcome back to the show. Let's keep going with the next film, which is called Happy Death Day to You. Tree Gelbman has a bigger problem than a stupid name. She discovers that dying over and over again was surprisingly easier than the dangers that lie ahead. Now she's back in the loop, but a group of her friends are now tied to her. If they die, she must die to bring them back. If they all complete the day without dying, they get to get out alive. This stars Jessica Roth, Ruby Modine, Israel Broussard, Rachel Matthews, Charles Atkin, 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 I think, Phil Vu, Caleb Spilliards, and Laura Clifton from the first Happy Death Day movie, and added to the cast is Suraj Sharma from The Life of Pi. And I remember when the first film came out, I thought it looked goofy, and I thought it would be a movie I would watch one day, just not put a lot of effort into because it didn't look that great. Uh, this came, if I remember right, it came out hot on the heels of um, Wish Upon, which could have been a lot better, but it it wasn't bad, but I just wasn't in the mood for another horror that would leave me, eh. But now when the sequel came out, at first I thought, why are they doing a sequel? Well, of course, because they want more money. And then I watch a trailer and th- I'm thinking, wow, this is very self-aware. This, uh, this movie knows that it's kind of silly and it's playing up on that. But it's also a slasher, and they're staying true to their slasher roots. So we have a movie that's not a full-on comedy. It's a slasher first, but with just a lot of tongue-in-cheek jokes in it. And I like that. I think as far as sequels go, this one looks like it could be a pretty good horror sequel. And if we're going only by the trailers, which of course that's what we do here on Future Flicks with Billiam, I think this might be a better movie than the first one. Of course, this means I'll now have to watch the first one if I want to watch this, which is also safe to say that I probably won't see this in theaters. And I, unless you watched the first one and really liked it, I would suggest you skip this in theaters as well. What I suggest is just one day rent both of them, or maybe they'll both come on streaming, find some way to watch them, and then just do a marathon. You know, horrors in theaters are cool because you get the atmosphere of everyone else who's on the edge of their seats. You get the darkness of the theater. You get the surround sound, the big screen. But a good horror will cross over to the small screen just as well. If it needs the big screen, then it wasn't worth it to begin with. And I think that this is one that will be just as good on the small screen. So if you watched the first one and you liked it, maybe this should be your pick. But if you never watch the first one and you're like me, then maybe save it for a marathon. But until then, happy death day to you. Gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, two movies left, and I'm going to do a... I'm not going to do a dual pick, but I will say one thing. If you want to watch something that looks like it would be good as a date movie for Valentine's Day, you should watch this next movie. This next movie is called Isn't It Romantic? A young woman hates love and romantic comedies. The trouble is, she now finds herself trapped inside a romantic comedy. The stars Rebel Wilson from Pitch Perfect, Liam Hemsworth from The Hunger Games, Priyanka Chopra from Baywatch, Tom Ellis from Lucifer, Betty Gilpin from Glow, Adam Devine from Workaholics, and Jennifer Saunders from Absolutely Fabulous. Yes, folks, you'll remember me talking about this movie, not just when the trailer came out, but when Rebel Wilson got into some trouble when she talked about being the first plus size woman to to star in a romantic comedy. And yeah, that was stupid bullshit and people overreacting. But now we have this movie coming out and luckily that all that heat has died down. So now this movie can just come out without people trying to boycott shit. And the best thing is, this looks funny. It's Rebel Wilson, and she's good. She she has a couple characters she plays, and they're all uh, very alike, and they're funny. And that's what's important. They are funny characters. If you go and watch a comedy or a romantic comedy, I'm not going to be I, I'm not going to be sad if I don't see a lot of character development and some deep story. No, I want to laugh. I want to laugh and then go, ah, isn't that sweet? Which it looks like I will for this movie. The trailer made me laugh quite a few times, and I don't think the movie blew its load with the trailer. You know movies that do that, where it's a a movie that's supposed to be funny, and then you find out they used all their best jokes in the trailer. No, I think this movie has a lot more to offer than that. If you want to go out for a date night, this should be the movie you see. Unless you and your date really want to see a big action spectacle movie, then watch the next one. But this movie isn't a bad choice. Isn't It Romantic isn't a bad choice to see in theaters. It may not need the big screen, but if you're going out on a night on the town and you want to wrap it all up with a movie, this should be it. It looks funny. We have reliable people in it, and it just looks funny. So if you want to check this out, then you should know the score. Isn't It Romantic gets an 8 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have one movie left, and that is the pick of the week and that is called Alita Battle Angel. A deactivated female cyborg is revived but can't remember anything of her past life and goes on a quest to find out who she is. This stars Rosa Salazar from Bird Box, Christoph Waltz from Spectre, Jennifer Connelly from The Rocketeer, Shala Ali from Luke Cage, Ed Screen from Deadpool, and Jackie Earl Haley from Watchmen, Oh, and uh, also Keenan Johnson from Nashville. Yeah, I know. I, I was surprised I picked this too, but it, it looks good. But here's the thing. This movie is going to tank. It is going to terribly. It's going to terribly for quite a few reasons. So let's break that down, shall we? First of all, this movie wasn't sold enough. I really don't think they're doing a good enough job with the publicity for it. But that's just me. Okay, maybe it was. Maybe they put a ton of money into selling this film. But I don't think it's enough. Second is that one reason they need to put a lot into selling the movie is because it already has the undesirable distinction of being an American movie based on an anime. Those notoriously don't work. It's like somewhere along the line, someone f**ks up. Even though I have to be honest, this looks like it could be the best one. Because what do we have so far? We have movies like Death Note, Dragon Ball Evolution, Kite g savior that terribly cg'd gundam movie uh we have a uh, speed racer ghost in the shell america doesn't do well with anime movies and this could be the first one but there's so many people that have been wronged so many times before that even though this one looks different they're not willing to give it a chance and another reason this isn't going to do well is how f- obscure is Battle Angel Alita. I mean, really? So obscure that you may not even know that they twisted the name around for s- some weird reason. So the uh, the manga and the original anime are called Battle Angel Alita. So when they made it here, of course, Alita, Battle Angel, that makes so much more sense for some weird f-ing reason. And one of the problems that I normally have when America tries to do an anime, I don't have that same problem here. It's the it's the whitewashing of it. It's the ignoring that this character is Asian and just throwing a bunch of white people in. If you look at the important cast members of this anime, quite a few of them are white. And also Alita is a cyborg, not necessarily Japanese. And so the fact that they get Rosa Salazar to play her, I'm okay with. And the weird facial cgi on her i think it works if you take a look at battle angel alita as a manga and anime i think you look at what they're doing with rosa salazar it fits i think this could still be the best anime turned live action american movie we've seen but it's not going to do well not at all but here's a good thing. James Cameron, who's a producer on this, our producer and writer, said that he is not planning on doing a sequel. So hopefully they didn't write in, like they didn't make the script so it needed a sequel. This is also directed by Robert Rodriguez, someone that should be trusted to do a action movie. So right now all the signs are pointing to this being a good cg filled action flick so when bad numbers start coming in that no one saw this when there are reports that this movie is losing money when there are reports of critics hating this don't listen to it if you want to see an action-packed sci-fi movie regardless of your feelings of anime so that aside if you want to see an action-packed sci-fi movie check this out this looks promising alita battle angel gets a nine out of 11 all right ladies and gentlemen i'm not going to forget to introduce the watch your mouth podcast break this time so let's get right into it with a word from our friends at the watch your mouth podcast stay tuned
1: there are several ways to raise money for a good cause some do it by running marathons some host high dollar dinners and some just do it by clever interneting. we here at the watch your mouth podcast employ a different approach wall-to-wall filthy fucking language
0: go to a grocery store i'm like i know exactly what i need i get in there and like fuck. yeah, <laughs> the yeah. F- did i even come here for
1: with our charity swear jar every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction
0: the motherfucker's a mouth breather
1: gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of f- and garnished with a crown of f- shut the fuck up how the fuck did we get here fuck all that f- f- a f- jelly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the watch your mouth podcast on i iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wimpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth.
0: All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with the question of the week. And if you do not remember, the question of the week was, in the spirit of the Lego movie, what toy would you like to see a movie made out of? We get our first answer from Brian Q, who says, Starriers. Technically my brother's toy, but no one would watch a movie about Lincoln Logs and Tinker Toys. Okay, well here's the thing about that: if they can find an interesting way to do a Lincoln Log or Tinker Toy movie, uh, if they can make it a totally irreverent, like with the Lego movie, but still somehow build a good story in it, then I think it could sell. But I get your point. Uh, Stereos were uh, kind of like, uh, kind of like Transformers, yeah. So I had to dive into Wikipedia to find out more about it, because I do remember these toys, but I couldn't speak of it from memory like that. So in the future, solar flares threaten all life on Earth. No, I've been talking too long to do an answer voice, so let's just keep going with this. Earth scientists build three classes of intelligent machines, protectors to restore the Earth for human use, destructors to ward off any potential alien evasions, and guardians to protect humanity. So yeah, a lot of promise on that one. That one could be really cool. We got an answer from Anne. And she says her grandmother's closet because that was her favorite toy growing up. And she had an idea for the movie where a little girl, seven, eight years old, probably seven, would try on the grandmother's clothes and then go back in time when her grand to a time when her grandmother's wearing those clothes. She could also affect things her grandmother did and then would have to learn to make sure she makes the right choices. So she made uh, so Anne may not have given us a toy, but she gave us an interesting movie idea. And it's time for Mine. And I actually really had to think hard about this because a lot of my ideas or my favorite toys were already turned into movies. So there were two that got cartoons but not movies, so I'm kind of cheating because they've already seen the screen in one way, but now they would get a movie. And the first toy was Mighty Max. If you remember Mighty Max, that was the boy version of Polly Pocket. It was these little action sets with these tiny tiny figurines in them, and they closed up into something like Mighty Max had a, like a skull and then an island and stuff, and you opened it all up and it was a playset, just like Polly Pocket It was like a compact or a a makeup bag or something. It would turn, like, open up into something. I just think it could make for a a cool kids movie and then a resurrection of the toy. And then the other one I was thinking of was Monster in My Pocket. Do you remember those? So they were these tiny little figures that kind of, kind of resembled famous monsters and stuff uh it eventually got a cartoon it eventually got a a line of um wrestler themed monster wrestlers in my pocket it also got a board game uh trading cards comic book a video game and an animated special well now they could do a movie and i think it could be cool it could be something along the line of small soldiers if you remember that or maybe even go dark with it and go like a demonic toys route but those were two of my favorite toys that haven't been somehow turned into movies in one way or the other. So that that is what I had. There were a lot of other toys that I loved as a kid, but I couldn't think of a good way for them to be a movie. Like I think if they turned Pound Puppies into a movie, it would just be some some sh- animated film. Uh, Teddy Ruxpin, I'm not I'm not really not sure if you could do a Teddy Ruxpin movie and have it be interesting. What would you even do for a Micro Machines movie, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the next question of the week. And this one was inspired by a movie, but it has more to do about what you would do. So we've all seen Groundhogs Day. You're familiar with the, the with the idea behind Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, someone who's forced to repeat a day. So let's say you get stuck in one of those loops. What's the first fun thing you would do? So you get stuck in a loop where you have to repeat the same day over and over. What is the first fun thing you would do? And please try and make it fun. Don't say, Try and get out of the loop, because obviously you're gonna try and do that. But what's the first thing just for you that you would do? Well, that is it for this episode. This this has been episode 121. Let's get into the closing housekeeping. They'll send you along your way to listen to the Super Bowl trailer rundown so you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher google play and any podcast app as well as the somewhat nerdy website that's somewhat i'd appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating i would love five stars please i'd also appreciate it if you would become a patron of the show you can find a link to our patreon in the show notes and how do you reach me how do you answer the question of the week how do you tell me if i miss a trailer or a movie or some news great question leave a comment for me on the somewhat nerdy website or facebook page leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billy from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.